So there's a uh, big Earth Fair happening April 22nd over at Tory Holistics. What's happening is Cantori here from Cantori and you. As, uh, as always, great to be with you. And uh, Tori, our title sponsor, is observing Earth Day and the, and the 420 season with an Earth Fair. They're actually calling it, I think it's pretty cool, an alternative marketplace where uh, they'll have vendors, non-cannabis vendors as well as cannabis-related vendors out there. And uh, whether or not you're a patient or part of the movement, if you will, you're free to show up. I mean, I think my wife's going to cruise through and check out what's going on because this whole world is, you know, new to her as it is to me. And yeah, there's an Earth Fair going on where they're going to have music. In fact, my friend uh, Tyler is uh, bringing his food truck. He's out of Encinitas and he has this kick-ass food truck called Moon Age. And uh, Tyler's going to be out there serving food. I'll be out there actually giving away prizes, hosting, like, emceeing the Earth Fair. And, uh, yeah, would love to see you. It's, again, this, uh, well, actually, it's a week from Saturday, April 22nd, Tory Holistics, Sereno Valley. Super easy to find. You can find them online at toryholistics.com, but it's happening in the afternoon from 1 to 5. There'll be raffles, uh, and, yeah, it's going to be super fun. Our friends at South Coast Surf Shops are going to be out there. They're going to pop a tent, if you will. <laughs> and uh, there's an example of a non-cannabis-related vendor who's just checking out the scene. I mean, it's crazy, the whole movement. And obviously, Earth Day and uh, 420, hand-in-hand. Hand, a lot of celebrations going on around town. But uh, if you're looking for something to do in the afternoon, again, April 22nd, come on by Tory Holistics and say, Hello. Now over at South Coast, they've got a huge wetsuit sale going on right now on full suits. 20 to 40% off on most suits. Uh, new spring clothing is in. They've got new board shorts, bikinis, spring suits. Uh, I love springtime in San Diego. It's just uh, uh, the calm before the summer storm. It's like a special time for locals. So if you want to gear up, head on into South Coast. They also have an event happening this Saturday, April 15th, at South Coast PB. There's actually multiple events going on. They've got a parking lot sale, South Coast PB, going on with a Firewire surfboard demo. This is Saturday and Sunday this weekend with tacos from Gringa's Tacos. And then on Friday, May 5th, at South Coast and OB, I'm going to be at this, the O'Neill and Surfline Wave of the Winter Movie Night Food, drinks, prizes provided, Friday, May 5th, South Coast OB. So, a couple of events happening. One this weekend, Saturday, April 15th at South Coast PB. And then again, Friday, May 5th, South Coast OB. And head on in and gear up, southcoast.com. So, uh, I'll be honest with you. The last couple of weeks have been quite uh, overwhelming. I'm off starting tomorrow and then off next week for spring break with the family. And even though you could say, well, you've kind of been off for a couple of months with uh, since I got well blown out of 94.9, it certainly hasn't felt that way. In fact, I think uh, a lot of people in my life would attest I've never worked harder. And um, yeah, so I'm off tomorrow, off next week, and looking forward to it, especially on the heels of, well, these last couple of weeks, and I know it's weird taking time off after I just started less than two weeks ago a new radio show, but that was one of the things or the sticky points when we were first putting the deal together, because I had already had plans to spend time with my family over the spring break, because uh, my sister Carrie had a baby uh, last year. Uh, it's my first, you know, since then, my little sister Vicky has had a baby as well. But uh, my sister Carrie's baby, Izzy, is my first uh, niece. And, uh, man, the love I have for this little bug is insane. So I'm really looking forward to spending time with my new niece and my sister and my parents and my kids, obviously. So really looking forward to just breathing a little bit. Because, uh, yeah, last couple of weeks, months have been overwhelming between the job loss at 94.9, starting you, uh, Woods going his separate, you know, going his own direction, 
and uh, then starting the new gig at 1090. It's been a friggin' all rad stuff, especially when I'm looking at the momentum and all the positive stuff going on and all the press and media attention we're getting. But at the end of the day, man, it's, yeah, it's been a lot. And I'm just looking forward to breathing a little and hanging with the fam. That's really all I got there. Thankful, don't get me wrong. And so grateful for uh, everything that uh, we've been able to accomplish these last couple of months. Whoa, my dog. Are you all right, Felix? He's got something going on on his back. He's, he's got a flea thing, man. We just gave him the advantage, too. But it didn't work as well as it has in the past. You all right, bud? Yeah, that screech. He, he's very dramatic, keep in mind, too. I promise you. Sounded worse than it is. He takes after his, his dad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm so thankful. And it's been an incredible run. That being said, it's also been a friggin' roller coaster. And I'm looking forward to getting off the coaster here for a, about a week or so. And uh, heading out to Coachella with a dear friend, my friend Mike Hodges, to see Radiohead. And uh, that's going to be mind-blowing. And then from there, <clears throat> going to spend time with the fam. And uh, maybe do an overnighter with the wife. Oh, regarding the 1090 gig. I really hope you're checking it out. But at the same time, I haven't been really promoting it and going over the top, sharing content from the show. Because truth be told, I'm still figuring it out and getting my legs. And signing on was so gnarly. And now I'm still learning and figuring out the landscape. Felix, are you all right? Buddy, come here, come here, come here. Flee. But uh, when I get back from vacation, I can assure you, I'm going to turn the volume up, man. We're going to 11, and I'm going to need your help, helping me uh, just with phone calls if you want to call in and participate in the show sharing audio from the show, downloading the app, telling your friends, the whole bit. I haven't been leaning hard because, again, yeah, it's not. It's one of those things where, and, and I'm no dummy, it's not, ready, I, it's not the best show. It's not the show that I want it to be. And until it's the show that I want it to be or I'm getting close to where I want it to be, then I'm going to go nuts. And I feel like we're, we're getting there. But there's still a lot of moving parts and elements that need to be implemented. And it's tough because at the end of the day, it's just me. I'm friggin' naked, just hanging there like a like testicles, just old man testicles, knee knockers, not even tight young testicles. It's just I'm hanging there. And yeah, I got a producer, but he has no limited experience on air outside of doing sports reports, you know, as far as, con you know, me the stuff I like doing, conversational radio, you know, he's still learning his way while he's doing all the back-end stuff. I mean, I'm stoked to have a producer, but he's phone screening, running the board, doing updates, booking guests, and, you know, the poor kid probably, you know, what, makes five bucks an hour. <laughs> so it's not like I could lean on the guy, and I have to step it up, but uh, which I have, and it's awesome but I haven't really stepped it up because, again, I'm still figuring it out because it's so different. It is and it isn't, and that's what I'm learning. At first, it seemed doing a talk show for three hours, yes, it's polarizing. It's, it's so far off and so different than radio, than doing FM alternative radio music-intensive show. This is even different than that. So it's just it's trying to mesh what I've done in the past – you know, whether it's at 91X, KPRI, or 94.9, with what I've been doing here and I've done in the past with Cantorian Woods and how do you put it all together and uh, deliver a product that appeases all. It's just, oh, and I hope you do check it out. And if you hear me throwing out the number, call in, tweet it up, oh, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you going on the ride with me because it is an adventure. And my wife even said it. You know, we went out the other night to a 
to a perfect circle. What an amazing show that was. And in the car, she said to me, she was like, man, I could tell as, you know, overwhelmed and as stressed as you get at times, you're really enjoying this because the man I married, he loves a challenge. So uh, today's show, this is something else, man. Well, first of all, and this relates to me, uh, I'd say being, and I want to make excuses, but wearing many hats, I've had some missteps. Like I posted a show the other day with Scott Russo where the audio was out of sync. You're going to hear this interview with Josh Paskowitz. His mic is hot. For some reason, my mic's not on or something's up with my mic. I'm like off mic the whole time. And I was pulling my what limited gray hair I have out. But uh, this morning, as I was listening back, the important thing is you can hear Josh fluidly. And he says some amazing things. Now, if you don't know the name Josh Paskowitz or the Paskowitz name in general, they're often regarded as the first family of surfing. They uh, have an amazing story that's been documented in this movie called Surfwise. So uh, if you've seen it, you're going to love the interview because Josh gets so real. If you haven't seen it, after you hear this interview... I suggest you go get it or uh, watch it on Netflix or whatever you need to do. Because there's been a time or there was a time in my life when I was reassessing my place in the world where the message of Surfwise, specifically Josh's dad, Dorian Doc Paskowitz, his message really helped me during some transitions in my life. And I share that in this interview. But uh, more importantly, Joshua shares philosophies and insight from his father that I didn't realize. It just goes so much deeper. And uh, he says some really heavy, just important stuff in this. And at times I got really moved and I hope it has in some form, well, the same impact on you. This is cool. I appreciate you coming down, Josh. It's my pleasure, Chris. And you've got amazing Mm. pipes. Oh my. This is going to sound amazing. It's going to rock! So, uh, Josh, Joshua, is it uh, it Josh, Joshua, what's better for, uh, what's better? Uh, Joab, Joam, Joab, Joachim, (laughs) uh, anything... Anything and everything. Anything and everything. Anything and everything. It's funny, I like, I like I like calling you Joshua. Yeah. But then I was hanging out with you at the art gallery at La Bodega, and I noticed a lot of people calling you Josh. I'm like, oh, maybe I should lazy, go back. Lazy, lazy, lazy people that I don't want to ooh. Wah. They just I, don't want to ooh. I like the ooh. <laughs> so it's interesting because uh, we've been Facebook. I'm doing the air quotes thing, friends, for quite a minute. Mm-hmm. But as far as face-to-face and interacting, it's only been a, a short time. That's right. And it's cool for me because, and I hope I don't make you uncomfortable when I say this, but I think you're, you know this sentiment, which is I've been so inspired by you and your family over the years that it's trippy to make the personal connection, man. Well, I appreciate that very much. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. It makes me feel fabulous, actually. Okay. the truth. Because I'm also a big fan. Of your family. Of my family. (laughs) I think that they're great. No, uh, you know, my dad is like my hero. He was my guy and, you know, we did all of our stuff together and he was my inspiration. I named my son after him and, you know, I truly believe in the principles that he raised us by. And, you know, I'm not necessarily going to raise my kids in that same fashion because, you know, that's evolution. It's we, We take what we learn and we try to adapt it and make it work. Uh, even better and, and with less friction and and more um, you know m- more efficiency so yeah my kids go to school and you know I I don't hate money the way my dad did I want to try to use money to you know affect the world help other people um, you know I, I see value and nuance I guess in some of the things my dad saw as just completely like faceless evil that shouldn't ever be questioned like society and stuff like that because why because you you saw that your dad was at war a lot yeah exactly you don't want to go through the same 
journey. Like you just saw your dad fighting, fighting right, against exactly. society exactly. versus just being and doing your own thing and keeping it at that. Right. I thought I thought that, and I do. I do think that the way he uh, lived his life and the way he raised us uh, in a in a way that was like counterculture or outside of the norms of society. I think that was really cool. But I think at a certain level, you know, we are, we are all members of society, so we have to kind of participate. And yeah. one of the things that that I personally lack very much was a sense of community. You know what I mean? Because we were like aliens, strangers in a strange land, everywhere, yeah. no and matter and, where. And I always wondered that, because when you look at the foundation, when you look at childhood, it is about stability, or in my case, it was about stability and growing up around the same people and going through different stages of life. But in your case, that, that's the f complete opposite of that. There was no stability, you were getting moved around, and... I would imagine trust or building long-term relationships. It was really hard from place to place, right? Well, yes and no, because of the fact that my dad was a very intelligent guy. He was a very principle-driven guy. So there was always a mission-based feeling to our lives. Like, even though we were kind of like a bit aimless, we had mega direction because he believed in, you know, doing all these things to take care of other people. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we were headed to an Indian reservation or the middle of Mexico or, or you know, Basque country in, in Europe or all these weird places so that he could um, be there for people, be a doctor for free, you know, share his kind of revolutionary theories with people and pioneer surfing conveniently sure. at yeah. the same time. Genius. So <laughs> that being said, though, I would imagine in getting back to just... A, what is a conventional childhood, let's be honest, right. but I would imagine it was really hard to build, like, did you have a best friend growing up if you were always on the road? Or were your best friends your brothers and sisters, you know, the no. family? Yeah, no, there wasn't, there wasn't really, if you look at our lives in comparison to an uh, average kid growing up in, you know, Orange County or wherever, sure. San Onofre, yeah, then it seems pretty, you know out there and, and kind of uncomfortable right. but if you look at our lives you know in comparison to people that live in other countries or grew up in you know other countries like Africa or whatever Europe it's Asia, yeah it's kind of the Isn't same that a wild? So. <laughs> I know it's wild to think about but you're, yeah. you're spot on well, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've thought about out of it. vehicles and yeah. using the land and just giving yep. back and giving what you get and vice versa. Yep, yep. That was, it, you know, my dad kind of had a different way of looking at things, a very broad kind of perspective about humanity and life and, and what he felt was right. And all of that stuff I think is totally cool. Yeah. Like I think is really smart. And I think the way he went about it is not perfect, you know. But it's pretty rad. It's amazing. And, and I do want to talk about that because obviously I know your story intimately. Mm -hmm. But for those who don't, because even to this day, I find myself always dropping your family name and being oh, a champion and thank ambassador. You. Thank you so much. And, and as much of attention as you guys have received over the years, there's still a lot of people probably listening to this right now who really don't know the story. Right. So let's really just start basic, man. Like, how, what happened? Like, your dad was a doctor <laughs> on the East Coast, is that right? No, no, no. He, he was here. Yeah, he moved out to San Diego in 1934. From where? From Galveston, Texas. Okay, Texas. So, yeah, right. so Texas. He, that's why they called him Tex. That's right. So, Emil Ziegler and uh, uh, his old friend Haji and and Haji. All, the, okay. all the local cats that surfed down at Crystal Pier in 1934. 34, 35, Ooh. kind of took him under their wing. I believe there was four or five surfboards in existence. You know, it's amazing. And uh, so, why did he leave Texas? That's when he left the practice. Or no, no, no. He was he just, just he moved was, here as a kid. He was eleven years old. He, okay. He, he, he was like, you know, he had asthma, and he told he convinced his parents because he was very 
very bright kid, very overwhelmingly intelligent person with this charismatic... Yeah, 10, 11, telling ex- his kids that his parents, his he parents, has a condition exactly. and he needs to change his environment exactly. and move to San Diego. <laughs> exactly. What a baller. <laughs> He's a baller. <laughs> <laughs> so he, My son said that to me, same age, I'm like, yeah, go to your room. Yes. Go play with your PlayStation. <laughs> You're fine. Get over yeah. it. It's in your head. So, so he came out here when there was like, you know, a half a dozen surfboards here in Dude. San Diego and... And, Did uh, he tell you stories about what San Diego was like in the 30s? Yeah, definitely. And and there's, I mean, uh, San Diego has been very loving and um, reverent to him. And there's, you know, there's flags and there's, uh, you know, places that you go to and restaurants and stuff. And you'll see like uh, old vintage pictures of him. Oh, yeah. And the, the plaque right down yeah, in a, where yeah. I surfed out of Termo with right. Skip right on the plaque. And your dad's name is like the second name on there. Yeah. Then, all, you know, just the surf community in general has been really kind and generous to my dad. And, um, you know, it's a great honor for us. And we, you know, he loved surfers and surfing above anything else yeah. in the world. He thought that surfers knew you know where it was at they could save the world i'm the same way <laughs> and uh you know he, he felt really he, laughing he felt really strongly that surfing was a like, i think you could save the world joshua no i don't know like, i don't know if i could do that but i I'll, i could try that's but, your dad and me yeah well i appreciate my respect that. For i you. appreciate that All very right. much well maybe i will then so uh so he moves out here and obviously becomes part of the culture he's one of the pioneers in san diego only a half dozen boards right so he becomes the real deal right out of the gate now where yeah. does medicine come into play when does he become doc pastors? well well yeah he basically started pursuing uh, his education pretty early and I, I believe he was uh, graduating from high school at like 15 or something like that 16 and going on uh, to San Diego State I think he went and then he found a way to go to the University of Hawaii I believe because as I recall, he went to Hawaii for the first time in 1939. Wow. So that must, I mean, he was, that's early on Dude. for him. So he was like, then, uh, you know, he got uh, just transformed. His whole life was transformed. He basically, you know, fell in love with with the Hawaiian culture and philosophy. And um, then he w- went on, continued to uh, get his degree at Stanford University. Which is a total trip because I think I'm not sure how many Jews were do- going there and doing that. And, <laughs> that time, yeah, and he he uh, actually uh, all through, I believe the war years. Uh, I think he was deferred his service because he was in school. That was okay. the deal. Yeah, yeah, but then he ended up serving in the Navy after. My gra- same thing happened to my grandfather. He yeah. was defer- same thing. Yeah, deferred because he was in med school. My grandfather was a doctor as it, well. Exactly, and then and then he ended up uh, out on the Bikini Islands launching like some of the first nuclear bombs. So he he just you know he he's just had this tremendous history uh, along with you know the history of our planet where he he was just really involved in certain key moments. They affected him really deeply. And um, that kind of was the catalyst for why he um, felt so passionately to live such an alternative kind of a lifestyle. But when did that shift exactly it, happen? It, was it, there a moment? Yeah, it was. It was kind of the moment when like his whole personal life kind of fell apart. It was. How old was he at this? I point? believe he was in his thirties, like thirty-five, maybe. Interesting, because this is the part that fascinates me. Because I think, and, and as I started this, how he and your family touched me Mm -hmm. it happened around the same it was in my 30s yeah where i was going through personal shit right i was looking at the world different i realized that i was playing the game wrong not true to myself Mm -hmm. and that's when i started making shifts yeah so was he a a, a practicing physician at that point oh yeah big time he was here locally no he was in hawaii and he was i think he was the head of the infectious disease uh uh department and very very highly elevated in his career at that moment that i can't relate to and (laughs) that's the difference neither can i the intelligence (laughs) and the brill okay neither neither can i thanks dad but anyway (laughs) the, the the point is is that he essentially felt like he had it all but he didn't have real love with his wife i believe there was some unfaithfulness in their marriage or some kind of marriage second marriage fell apart okay this he, isn't your mom you're talking about yeah yeah this is like the his, his first marriage my mom is his third marriage third. so go okay. dog and, and then and, and then so yeah he had that whole identity crisis and Got he it. said to himself 
as they say, you know, as he says in the film, he wanted to be a great a great husband and a great father yeah. and, and thereby a great man. So he's, he kind of redefined his priorities, went to Israel, brought the surfboard, first surfboard to Israel, That's state amazing. of Israel in 1956. And um, he, uh, known as the father surfing over in Israel, and um, he uh, came back quite like, you know, quite, you know, in a state of self-realization. You know, he found what he was looking for. He, you know, he accomplished his goal to bring surfing to Israel. He, like, found uh, personal, you know, uh, pride in his own self and I think was able to, to let go of, like, his, his baggage and, and be able to stand on his own two feet and attract a crazy headhunter, savage, cannibal, Aztec warrior like my yeah. mom. You know, who... Uh, that's when he met your mom? That's when he met my mom, who's like the six-foot-tall, gorgeous yeah. uh, uh, Mexican woman. Where did he meet her? In Catalina. No way. Yes, where he was the doctor, and she was a telephone operator. Whoa. Yep, and and she was, you know, my dad is just a horny hound dog. <laughs> and then my mom was a gorgeous, beautiful woman who he thought was uh, Tahitian. Because she is just so striking and yeah. you know has almost like a very um, native kind of pre-Columbian look to her, even though she's super tall. So no, your like, mother's stunning. Yeah, she's mother. That sounds a little weird, but I'm very proud. No, of her. no, I say the same thing about my mom. Of course, my yeah, we're proud beautiful. of them. Yeah, exactly. My mom's hot. It's, I'm so stunning. proud. Yeah, my mom. She's eighty some odd years old. She had a stroke. She came, did it. Came out of the hospital. Won, won the fight. Came out and was like. You know, causing a stir at the old mofos home. Yeah, you know, I'm that's my mother. I'm so that's proud. My, of mom. I'm my mom's so proud. Late sixties, Italian. You would think she was thirty five years old if you, if she walked in the room. You would think she was my sister, that's, younger sister. That's what it's all about. Yeah, seriously, that's what's man. Up. So I get it. So she obviously captures his heart. Yep, and hard on. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and they actually, I, they almost got like removed from the island from what. Because of their wild boning, they 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 really did. They really that's, that's got it. They got it on. And so he didn't have kids with his previous. He had a few, a couple of kids, and and his whole but not part of the the, the he had plan three as we know. No, no, no. It, I have three half sisters. Okay, one from the first marriage and two from the second marriage. But in the Paskowitz but surf in, family with right. your with your mom, right? How many? Unbroken nine. Wow. Yeah. Mind blowing. It's mind blowing, and if you think about the conditions, mind blowing, in which she had those kids, it's oh. even more mind blowing. Explain it. Just uh, I know I know you can go on for days on it, but but nutshell on the road, right? Yeah. Nutshell. Doc basically found the ultimate enabler for his. For his everything, you know, his whole lifestyle, his vision. But she's your, your mom. My mom. She took care of him, and she provided a whole army of seven sons, which is actually kind of a prophetic statement that he right. made when they met. Um, you know. Uh, so he had this vision. He had set out to have an army of sons. He 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 wanted this woman to fit a particular role. Is well, that what yeah. You're well, well, you got to understand. Doc was, uh, uh, you know, he was a GP. You know, he yeah. was a family doctor, so he had to be a psychiatrist, a surgeon, a, a pediatrician, an obstetrician. He had to know all of that stuff as part of his being a, a old school family doctor. So he had this psychological profile that was, you know, semi-informed, but you know, pretty archaic now that we look back on it. But but I still, mean, he had he and, and fully my mom, capable. My mom fit it so well that he told her right there when they met after she had you know given him his data she he was like you could be the mother of my seven sons wow and it was like a bingo kind of a moment well you know however many years later she actually had seven sons for the guy <laughs> That's oh, and uh man. and that was the pasquitz family and they all surf you know they're all highly competitive and out in the water surfing yeah. Where did you fall in that? Line? I'm the last of the Mohicans. You're the last, but on the competitive surfing front, I was curious. I have right? absolutely no interest in competitive surfing. But did you when whatsoever. you were younger? You didn't, no, you never. When you were younger. Not at all. Which uh, Which of your brothers were involved in it? Izzy, Izzy was, my right? my brother, who's pretty much the best. I mean, he's I the, love I love he's that man. amazing. I mean, my brother Israel is absolutely phenomenal human Agreed. being, um, and he was the world champ. And uh, you know, in '91, I think there was the 
whole longboard world tour and he did that. He went around the whole world, almost drowned in Africa or whatever, pulling into giant barrels on a nine foot board. And he won and he's he's the champ. Nobody can take that away from him. And um, you know, I'm very proud of him and all the work that he does with uh, surface, surface healing yeah. and uh, autistic uh, kids. And he's just perfectly kind of, um, uh, kind of made a, a, a perfect example of what my dad wanted for us, yeah. which was to give back, but to also be involved in surfing and use surfing as a way of uh, focusing attention and as a conduit, as a vehicle, you know, for for change, for good yeah. things, you know, for positive change. So very, very proud of Israel. Also, my brother Jonathan was pretty successful in his surfing career as well. And uh, the other guys kind of were kooks mostly um, but uh, you know I can say that because I'm like the ultimate kook of all kooks I don't but yeah the you know surfing was a huge part of the Pascots family Obviously, you know, the yeah. central theme of everything that we did um, my dad was totally obsessed with this sport and in you know I mean if you think about it like people were super into surfing they get up at like whatever three o'clock yeah. in the morning and they drive down uh, you know, getting there like there, right when the dawn breaks and everything. Yeah. Well, those guys are not as into it as they think they are. Yeah. If they really were into it, they'd be living right there yeah. in a car with no job, all crazy. <laughs> I know those guys. And they're, they're I there know those too. Guys. They're there too. And they're we know still them. there. And then some of them are still there. But I, I think. I get your point. It though. wouldn't and really. And that was your dad and yeah. that was your family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you were sleeping in parking lots year-round. Yeah. Oh, year-round. And driving from Mexico all the way to the Pac Northwest, right? Yeah, or even beyond. I mean, into Canada and all the way across to... Now, here's my question, because okay. this, this is about you, you know, okay. Josh. Right, 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 I'm curious, okay, obviously unorthodox upbringing. Yeah. But you're also, as you said, the last of the Mohicans. So not sure. only are you, you growing up in a... Or unorthodox environment, but you're also the youngest of nine, man. Yes. How did that weigh on you? Like, what was that like? Because by the time it got to you, a lot of people had already been living and running that trip, right? Or, no, totally. totally. How, yeah. Can you explain a little yeah. bit to me, like how that, like earliest memories and how you you yeah. ramped up into yeah. the Paskowitz family? Yeah, I kind of I have a very unique uh, perspective within the family because I kind of have been able to see post Pasquitz yes. family kind of seen not only the decline or n not necessarily the decline because you know all families kind of, of grow up and grow grow out you know but I kind of had a unique experience with my dad of being I see with that. him I saw that yeah as the as the other kids kind of left mm. you know what I mean so you were the last one right right and watching watching him trying to contain the magic, you know, and hold on to the dream yeah. while the other guys were really, really, and, and understandably. understandably, you know, but, but yeah, but moving away from that, I, I think I kind of, that kind of affected me in a certain way and maybe made my relationship with my parents a little bit closer or different. So did, yeah, mm -hmm. I would say that I could see that different, and yeah. at the same time, I sure... It also built, because I've seen this even within my own family, and my my dad comes from a family of six, uh -huh. and I've seen, an Italian and, yeah. you know, deep Italian yeah. family roots, right. and when family members left, I noticed even within my dad's family that with the younger kids, like yourself, and I'm not saying this happened to you, mm -hmm. but you build resentments towards the older kids because you're like, you're abandoned. You have like Certainly. almost abandonment issues Certainly. with those older siblings. So, well, when you're young and you're growing up and you don't understand why you, your older brother has to do point. that. Yeah. You know? And you see how it affects your parents, which also compounds it right. too. Exactly. And also there's a certain amount of just you know, um, resentment, uh, immediate resentment that's derived from why did you leave me with this crazy person focused now only on me? Wow. You know what I mean? Which is, which is really tough. But then you grow up and you understand, you see things for the way they are and yeah. you become grateful for those things, grateful for those times. And by the time, you know, I did an art show with my dad one time and he took the mic and he's like, cause he was such a badass. He liked to just, oh, yeah. you know, take control of everything. And he, and he was like, you know, I'd just like to say that this kid, I love this kid because...
I treated him like shit. I treated him worse than any other kid. Is that true? And he loves me more than any other kid. Isn't that interesting? And I feel like whether he treated me worse or not, because everything is truly subjective. Truth. You know, my pain could have been much less than one of my brother's. You know, yeah. It'd be just because who knows? You could have lived my life easy, I right? Agree. It's just subjectivity. It's, it's That's everybody different. own journey, own I own journey, it. right? So I was like, whatever. But the point is, is I figured out a way to hold on long enough to give him that feeling, yeah. and that's the most important thing. And when we came to the end of his journey, and it was like he was, you know, trying to hold on to something that was like really meaningful to him and and you know what he wanted to kind of comfort himself with at the end of his life you know i was that thing and it was really really important to me see and i saw that online but you know when you're talking social media and i was watching you i was following your journey through your father's passing yeah that's what i saw and to hear you say it obviously i yeah, I, it's it's what I saw. Yeah, it's it, you're it's confirming what, what I saw, which was yeah. It seemed like you were very involved. I needed to be really involved because I needed him to know at the end of his life that he made the right decision, and that he lived an epic life that was full of you know. Do you think ups he was at war with that sometimes? Oh my I god! How would... could you not be? How could you not be? He well, made... if he was that strong in his convictions, and if he was that in at the time. At the time. Okay, that's why I was... But then as, okay. a, as an older person, reflecting on how many people's lives that you change so elementally, you know, I'm, I mean, it had to yeah. obviously weigh on him. And yeah. when what I wanted to do with my life was to show him with my son and my wife and my... What, what I believed was, was um, that we appreciated it. That yeah. we wanted to be there for him to show him that he made the right decision and that he ended up, you know, um, a, a net positive. Like yeah. it was, a, it was a good thing. You know what I call that? I call that the Magnolia moment. Total Magnolia moment. I love, I it's love one of my favorite movies. I love, uh, uh Paul Anderson. Yeah. I uh, saw him on <clears throat> a radio head show recently and I went up to him and I just was like, Hey man, I know this is probably so weird and freaky. I just uh -huh. wanted to thank you for the movie Magnolia. That's he's awesome. Like, you know what, dude? He goes, I get that a lot from middle-aged guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and and you know what? I I watched all my brothers go through their magnolia moment as well. Yeah. And you know, it's it it, it it's tough. And it's tough, it's, man. Because I'm gonna have one with my dad. He's everybody still has that. And my dad was a son of a bitch. My dad was so hard on me when I was growing up. Yeah. He admits it, but yep. he doesn't know how to make it good you know right, he just right. he admits it and makes a joke of it right but that's where it stops like right i always thought it was beautiful that you and your dad were able to tell each other you loved each other and to embrace and kiss or that's what i saw yeah. at least from afar i don't have that relationship not with my many dad. people have that relationship with their dads i hope to one day and i yeah. and i have a feeling it may come yeah during that magnolia moment yeah, well, I hope so. I hope so because the things, I mean, the one thing that Doc taught me in all of, you know, his varying degrees of authenticity was the fact that your family and especially your your kids are something really magical. Yeah. And there's a, there's a message there, there's a there's a meaningfulness there that's really magical. Maybe the most magical thing in the world. I agree. And I feel like because like, kids look at their parents like they're God. It's something special. It's, it's, I mean, literally, it's, just, it's, it's, it's know, really, really, really special. And that glue, you know, if that, if it's, if it's those feelings and those sensitivities that make humanity, you know, uh, above the, the animals, then isn't that relationship the primal of all of those beautiful feelings culminating in, yes. in in our lives yes. and and that's what he taught me was that that is the primary order like yeah. number one thing is to be there emotionally 
and physically for your child. That's what I try, try to practice every single day, man. Yeah. I mean, seriously. That's... Even when it came to me, I just got another job working nights, and I had a, such a hard time taking another radio job doing a night show because I'm like, dude, Little League games during the week, and I hold my daughter's hand as she falls to sleep at night. Yeah. And to take that away from me five nights a week, That's dude, brutal. I'm out of my mind. Yeah. I'm out of my mind. Well, all I can say is just be thankful that your priorities are not all effed up. Right. And those are the things that are really important to you. Because yep. those are the only things that are really important. And matter. And Absolutely. according to me, according me to too. Doc, according to what I learned yep. in my, in my uh, journey. Well, Doc, I'll tell you where, and I mentioned that thing in my mid-30s, where I was at that time in a space where I thought I was a hot shot. I thought I was the shit. I had been hosting morning radio shows at 91X for, you know, 10, 11 years, hanging with rock stars, right. making six figures. Awesome. The whole thing, man. Right. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, it was, but I didn't know how to, I didn't have the maturity to know how to navigate through it. I really didn't. Like, and I was talking recently with Scott Russo from uh, Unwritten Law during those same periods went completely off the rails and he was dealing with stuff of way higher magnitude so i mean if i experienced stuff at a higher magnitude my point is i don't know if i'd even still be alive right. my point is the level that i experienced here in san diego there was a time where i thought i was special i wouldn't say i looked down on people but i definitely put myself on a pedestal that was different than others until this moment happened where I experienced loss and profound fear and insecurity like I had never experienced before. Granted, those were foundations of who I was and all this ego crap was just, you know, put, pushing that stuff down. Right. But then I really experienced it. I lost the job, lost the house, my wife gets cancer, and it was one thing after another. Then I really fall into the story of your family. I look at the shifts that your dad made and I'm like, dude... I've been doing it wrong all along. <laughs> I've literally been doing it wrong. And what is happening to me right now in my life are the lessons that I needed to have delivered to me to set me up for this next chapter. I don't think I would have been able to make that transition without your pops. I really appreciate you saying that, Chris. And that, I think that's absolutely awesome. And it just goes to show that, you know, my dad was a really, really loving and wonderful person with a deep generosity of spirit. And even from beyond the grave, he can still touch, touch people with that uh, that aloha. That was, you know, he found that note. Yep. You know, he found that tone, and he just went with it. And yep. no matter what, like, kind of disaster kind of came along, he just found that beautiful tone, <clears throat> and he kind of found a pain-free place to be in his life. Yeah. And no matter what, he sacrificed for that. He found it and he kind of even though maybe I was kind of a victim of his selfish search for that whatever he kind of found it and he I was his son so like I saw it yeah. firsthand and so I know what it is and I was and, gonna ask you and I don't, I'm curious because you, you just mm -hmm. said you know the selfish plight right how did he handle other people and you handle other people judging him easily his actions very easily okay talk he to was me. very easily he was extremely um, intelligent uh, to the point of, of like with a bludgeon he could bludgeon you with his intellect he had a, a, a acerbic wit that was absolutely as sharp on both sides as you could ever imagine he took no one seriously whatsoever he had no sense of like hierarchy you could be he could give up you know, That's, I get it. and he could no just, matter who you are, right. what level, president, right. rock star, his, or a dude picking up garbage on the side of the street, or even his personal best friend, yep. or whatever. Yep. It was just like, oh, really? Yep. And I get it. he, you know, he was so it. confident and just so badass about his the, about the way he, you know, just latched onto what he really believed in that he just he found no flaw and he in like he says it's like a square peg in a square hole. That's how he described God or whatever. So in your case though, did you look at him in those early years and you mentioned it earlier in this, so I'm going to say, yeah, you did. Are you saying you're like this crazy man, you know, the brothers leave and you leave me with this crazy man. Yeah. Are you saying that as a joke or did you Both. really believe no. your dad was nuts? At the, time, at the time. No, no, no. At the time, 
I didn't believe he was nuts. I believed that I, I was uh, kidnapped by him, and it didn't matter what I thought of him. You know, were you scared? You know, yeah. There was no, there was, there was no like sense of like ironic distance. Like at, now, as an adult, I can right. kind of say, yeah, he was crazy. He was cuckoo, whatever. But at the time, you know, he was terrifying and all-encompassing. Right. And he was my dad. And, yes. You know, See, I was so, scared shitless of my father. Yeah, and my dad was super gnarly, and he, he went super hard. And especially in those times when it was just he and I, like, let's say, down in Acapulco, where, you know, there was just he and I, you know, um, we, got, we got attacked by rabid dogs. We had, you know, people get, getting shot and stabbed and you know I mean just the the gnarliest kinds of like so did you look for him look at him for protection though you were scared of him but was he also your protector too well I mean yeah I mean I mean ultimately I think that he was pushing the pushing the 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 boundaries of his goals of pioneering surfing and you know, being such a such a unique person and his whole vision, he was pushing that further and further and further till he got to the kind of breaking point, which I, you know, I could say might have been Acapulco, where it was so scary, so far out there. Yeah. You know, we and some of his decisions were not always right, and you know, it got to <laughs> the point where did he own it where, when he made mm, wrong, bad decisions? Not really at the time, but yeah. but then later on, he really did, and uh, you know, throughout. The last 10 years of his life, it was uh, basically just he and I, and, you know, I got a divorce from the woman that I was with at the time, and I was like, got all super into Carl Jung, and I was like, I'm going to learn everything about my dad, I'm going to totally accept him for who he was. How old are you at this time? I was 30. Okay. So, the the next 10 years, you know, we, we spent every, I mean, I totally enabled him to be as crazy as he wanted to be. Much to the chagrin of my other family members, I, I, you know, why is that? Well, because I would take him to meetings and he would be totally crazy and insane. And you he know? thought that you were using your dad. You, I wasn't using. He yeah, was using I, me. I, I didn't have shit. He, yeah. he, he was using me. Like, uh, you know, but I allowed him to use me. Right. I allowed him Got to. It. You were the vehicle. I wanted. I'm him, just connecting the dots here. I wanted him to be himself yeah. for as long as possible. I like that. And, I don't see a <laughs> and and I I felt like he, you know, I and honestly, we were doing cool shit. I mean, we did Surfwise, we did Surfing for Peace with Kelly Slater and Oh, Gore I Rothman. love that. We did So uh, that was all you're doing then? Well, I'm not saying it was but my, you, you my mind, doing. But you know my point. But I mean, you were helping navigate I helped my brothers and my dad to navigate those things so that so that th- those last 10 years of my dad's life included incredible you know, efforts that yeah. that were consistent with what what he wanted to do. You know, his whole life, and I'm not. I'm, I'm very proud of uh, uh, of what we did. And you know, unfortunately, on my 40th birthday, he fell and broke his hip. So mm-hmm. it was just you know, it's like a tidal shift of life. It's just you know, you can't stand in front of the elemental. Yeah. natural things in the universe or else you just get bowled over yeah eventually it catches up man yeah and the, and that's that's kind of what dad that's kind of what dad taught was that you have to be aware you have to be awake largely you know from pain essentially you have to be you have to be broken open you know by hardship and by suffering to be aware of those natural yeah. laws, and it's to so be, true, and to be in tune, to be even able to comprehend those natural laws. But then, when you can um, time your life in with the with those things, with those principles, with those motions, so to speak, then you get stuff like how Doc got. He got yeah. he got his he got his dream. He got his kids. The limit he, exactly, You're being led. exactly, and he was led on that path and incredible positive energy came out of it i get that so that's what i'm trying to tap into right now and when you tap into it i'll tell you it's an amazing thing the way everything opens up absolutely and i tell you what chris according to my experiences because as a person who has been through all this stuff when i was young and like i was I, i was like Mowgli when i was young and i was like totally just like you know nature boy and then all of a sudden i was like by myself on the streets in San Clemente 
with all these like <clears throat> kids and fighting and skinheads and yeah what you know what like, age are you at this point that was like 15 15 like okay. 14 15 16 because you never went to you never went never to, went to school. school yeah so it was like i kind of like went from like being Mowgli to being like the lost boys and then all that lost boys stuff you know leads to a lot of drugs and me trying to um deal with everything i dealt with as a kid course, by myself on the streets oh. that's basically drugs and then you know that yeah, you don't know how to cope you don't know how to cope with anything and so essentially that led me to trying to get off drugs by going to live with my brother adam who and then writing the song and being a part of the band with my brother adam yeah so that's what i was going to ask so you're by that point you're in your what late teens or early 20s i was like 20s? early 20s early yeah. 20s okay yeah, so yeah. Early you're now 20s. based in orange county well, no, I had to. I had to get out of Orange County because I was working at Blackflies. I was living in San Clemente. I was totally on heroin. Oh I was God. whacked out of my mind. And but I was, I, I was like, you know, I was not even do, really doing music. Um, but you know, I had some really cool influences um, up from like my brother Jonathan, Dan Flecky, Jack Martinez, those guys. You know, that was the era of like. Bradley and Bud, oh, yeah, and the, they were in the shop. You know, we got the record from them. But, no, I you know, remember it wasn't Troy <clears throat> Bradley's ex or widow. Yeah, Troy. She was part owner of Black Flies at one point. I think. Uh, House of Flies. Yeah, House yeah. Of Flies. it was very, very nepotistic and, and very, yeah, very insular. We, you know, my, Jonathan and I took Jake out surfing for his first time. Right, and you know, Bradley was, you know was a person who knew me and I never knew Bradley you know it was it was very quick story um, one time I, w I was trying to get high with them up in the room you know, at the top of uh, the Blackflies warehouse yeah and my buddy was trying to give me shit tell me you're on the clock get out of here you can't you can't smoke weed with us right now and I was like up getting all mad <laughs> and Brad was like no Josh can Josh can hang he's Josh is totally cool he sings like Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> and I was like what and I was like and Jack's like, you can't sing, Josh. You you pussy. You can't sing. And I was like, I was like, I acapellaed um, um, "Lilac Wine" by Jeff Buckley. Come <clears throat> on, no, that's balls. Uh, yeah, because it's super quiet, and yes. like 16th century weird song. Yes. And here's all these punkers and you know guys that are like, you know, gangster dudes. And it Beach was like, rats. it was yeah, it was a really really crazy moment. And Jack was like. I think he was kind of in tears. But anyway, the whole point of it was that, like, that was a really powerful inspiration for me because I felt like music is my thing. You got this is my deal from Bradley from Sublime. Bradley's telling me you're what's rolling up. in the same cruise. And then how does that become? So when I was on the road with my brother Adam, okay. and I was seeing him getting verbally berated by these punk ass snowboarder kooks in park city utah right i was like you kids don't even know no, your own up. names you don't yep. know anything about anything i was like and adam came to me with tears in his eyes he was crying he was like you know help me brother you know i'm there there they're, they're. so he was in a band at this time yeah and they were on stage getting getting booed off the stage and their band was called was it called the flies? it was called the flies the flies it was called the flies okay so he was doing stuff your older brother adam right you're in your early 20s totally are you, high are you on you're on heroin at this no, point no or? because i had to quit all drugs and even smoking weed and everything when i moved with adam okay moved in there with adam. so it was like rehab okay right but he was in a band music rehab music rehab exactly yeah, so it works actually. it did actually work yeah, and i got better that's... and you know i would jam out with his Guys in his band were super cool, and I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and you know, we we I you know they influenced me, and I, I influenced them. I I opened their eyes to a lot of music because music has been my whole life, my you know my whole life. So I, you know, we we really shared something that was kind of powerful at that moment because when Adam got booed off the stage, I grabbed the mic mic and just did you know DJ yeah. by Sublime and yeah. and the. The guys went nuts, and the they, the manager was like, "You guys got to come back." Da da da. And I so was then like, "You got incorporated into the so band. that their manager was like, you have to have Josh join the band.' Oh, basically. And then that's when you guys 
took off for that's a minute. When I, that's when I was at 91 X. Right. And I remember it was late nineties right. playing the new track from the flies right. out of orange County with the Paskowitz brothers. That's exactly right. And that's what I used to say on the radio. And here's yeah. the song. And it was kind of, uh, and I know you're not going to take offense to it. It was kind of like one hit wondery, right? Very one hit wondery. Yeah. Kind of like a, it was kind of sugar rayish, maybe. It, it was well. I mean, we, not not the song, but no, no, no. But I mean, Mark and Shrinky Dinks and those guys trying were, to hit our, the same were, audience. No, not at all. They were our brothers. We, I, I, you know, Mark and I like puked on each other's shoes many oh, times at the Huntington Hilton. We, you know, there was there's nothing but love in that whole crew. You yeah, know, Mark so, and I have a lot of ex girlfriends in common. He, he's he slept amazing. On my floor a couple of times. I always beach too. But anyway, <laughs> I, no, yeah, I mean, the, the, it was a, it's a tight crew. Yeah. So you know, we I had no bones about saying that what we represented and the black flies. I mean, we tore the stickers in half. The flies. I remember. We didn't. You know, it was we were just trying to stay alive on the road. And how smart, man! It's branding. It's multi. I mean, it's multimedia before multimedia was multimedia. We tried our best, and then we did really well. And we did. one of the things that that helped us was that we had a live performance. See, we when my brother Adam and I would both sing and I would scat and, and we would do harmonies and it was pretty overwhelming for other people because we were like we both like sing like right. op opera man you That's know what dope. I mean and but at the same time we're have, there was all these layers in the band and you know you got to understand that was before Lincoln Park uh -huh. which according to what I know from Don Gilmore was a direct influence of Lincoln Park it was before you know, Limp Biscuit largely before right. Kid Rock, before all of that stuff. Where you guys were infusing into the crunchy stuff, exactly. layered would, harmonies, it became, melodies. Yes, it became a formula. Right. It became a formula, and we can honestly say that, that we kind of did that. Now, let me ask you this, though. So you're sober, and then you experience this rock and roll lifestyle. How long yeah. did you stay on the sober train? Yeah, yeah, That's totally, awesome. totally. I've, I've never really gotten back on drugs since, except for cannabis, uh, I don't. I I don't drink. I haven't drank in eight yeah, years. Either. I don't. You know. I don't. Not, I'm pretty on the on the positive, kind of carrying forward. Uh, and really, drugs are really super negative and dark. And yeah. I just I'm not really really not about it at all. But uh, yeah. So so it's a trip going from that experience to like having everybody, um, you know, like trying to wipe your butt for you and be right. totally like. You know, but at the same time, I never, I never attached my identity yeah. to that, Chris. When and I, that's what I did, and that was the mistake I made at that age. Exactly, because when, when, when I saw all those people cheering for this, for the person that was up there on the stage, you knew it was short lived. I, no, I didn't even care if it was short lived or or long lived. What I knew was is that that was a character. Mm. It was a figure, right? And I could play that figure. But it you know what I mean? Yeah, but it wasn't. You knew how to separate the two. It was super natural for me to play that figure. Like, I had no fear, no matter what, we stepped on stage in front of 20, 40, 60, 80,000 people. And I was just like... That's awesome. See, I, I wouldn't have had that at that age. I was now totally, I do, totally comfortable and totally everybody... I mean, we got voted this and that. It was, it, it was a great... We ended up being able to play with the Rolling Stones because of the fact our That's live amazing. show was so on point. So why did it all stop? Why did it Because all I couldn't deal with the fact that my brother Adam was essentially treating me like a slave, taking away my intellectual properties, refusing to give it me... It really came down to business. Refusing to give me... No, it came down to principle. It, you know, I was young. Over business. And I couldn't, deal, I couldn't deal with the fact that he didn't allow me to have credit for what I had done. And it was like I was being, I was being, I wasn't helping him by by enabling his like sociopathic kind of megalomaniacal behavior. I wasn't helping him. I was just allowing him to blunder forward right. in this extremely perpetuating. perpetuating this really negative behavior. And it wasn't, I wasn't prospering, and he wasn't allowing any other voice but his own. And and he completely took the exact opposite point of view that I did, which was, that's me, I deserve that, that's right. where I belong. Versus, holy shit, I can't believe I'm doing this, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. Right, yeah. that type of deal. Which I get too, I was more, with my trajectory, and I am comparing it, I know it's different though, I do, 
I did lay hard earlier on the, yeah, I thought I was special in this whole ego thing. But at the end of the day, too, I was able to keep it in check. And I did have a level of, holy shit, I can't, I felt like I was faking it. Like, what are people going to realize I'm a fraud? Like, I can't believe I have this power in this microphone, you know, even though I thought it had more power than it really did. I still was able to humble myself a little bit and say, hey, this is amazing. I'm lucky. I'm grateful for this experience because a lot of people would be dying to be up here right now. Right, exactly, and that's kind of like where I'm, where I'm at with life right now is the fact that, you know, whatever challenges that I face or whatever I've been through or, or, or you know, all kinds of different stuff, um, you know, I'm so lucky to have my problems. Yep. I'm so lucky to have had my experiences, and frankly, going through all that roller coaster. You know, about like 30, you know, about like, frankly, after I lost my dad, went through serious depression. Did like you? Gnarly dark depression. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's fine. And <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> it's cool because of the fact that, you know, it, it kind of reinforced my own personal philosophy, which is to never give up. Yeah. And also to realize that the best thing that happened to me is the worst thing that happened to me. And it's all based on my actions and how I deal with it. And if I choose to stop feeling sorry for myself, stop thinking about only myself, yeah. open up my mind to what is important and and special and and vital about other people, yeah. and connect myself to other people and start reaching for a goal that involves not only my own selfish goals, but also what is right for our, ourselves as a community what is what what is you know more right than just my right yeah. you know what i mean i do know and and mean. that really made me feel good because i realized i'm so fortunate my wife is so loving and supportive of me, of me. i have these two kids and this beautiful yeah. woman see that's what i see for what it's worth mm-hmm. i see and what do i know but I see that you're now free to walk your own path and, and live your own. I, I find you to be as brilliant as your father, for what it's worth. I, I'm being honest, dude. No. I find you to be as intelligent as your dad. <laughs> I swear to you. Dude. Trust me, I'm not. Okay. But, hey, it's I appreciate just, that. I'm just saying, this is my appreciate vantage. I really it. find you to be incredibly brilliant and intelligent. And I feel like you're just starting. Now you're... You've got the ball now, bud. That's I, how I feel. I really appreciate it. That's Chris. how I see it. I feel like you now have the ball, and I think you're doing a great job with the ball, man. And I, like everything in life, you can't be too hard on yourself. You're creating beautiful art. I see the love you have for your family and your kids. I know that uh, every time I've been in your presence, you've made me feel empowered and good about myself. Dude, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Honestly, man. All right. Thank you so much. My last question for you, because uh, we do need to get other folks in here, and I do want to have you back. I did want to ask you one quick one, which is, what is your relationship with the rest of your family? Like, you mentioned your brother, Adam, and you said, oh, you were calling him a megalomaniac and right. the whole thing back during that time in the band. Right. Do you still feel the same way? Like, do you still, do you have good relationship with everybody, or are there still disconnects? Or- I don't, I don't hold anything against any member of my family because we're all human we all make mistakes nobody's perfect you know sure i mean gosh we're all flawed humans yeah and we're all everyone is doing the best they can yes everyone is struggling and they have you know so much to deal with they're doing the best they can at the point that i'm at i have done the best that i could and so now by you know removing myself from the equation i feel like whatever whatever truth those guys need to come to they can come to that within themselves and with me however they choose because i'm open to them anytime you know that's a great thing about being the little brother chris is that you you idealize and you look up to these guys very so much. So are you saying you're the black sheep, kind of, or no? I'm like I'm not trying to. I don't want to stare. I'm, I'm just, just trying to connect the I'm dots. Ju- I, I'm Is just, it you against the no, others? No, there's or? no, there's no versus. There's no us versus them. It's just that you know I have been kind of the invisible brother. I've been the brother who has been kind of employed 
to do a lot. Right. Um, haven't really had any of the ownership, but have worked really hard to create a lot of value for everyone. And I feel that now, because I'm a dad, I really don't have any other choice but to try to, uh, you know, concentrate on, um, you know, uh, making sure that some, I, uh, that I, you're doing good. Well, I got to take care of myself. I mean, I can't, your family, I can't, I I can't, you can't get wrapped up in that. No, I can't just be used up. That's the thing is that if, if for me, if I was alone, whatever, use me up. Throw me away, whatever. That's fine. But I'm a dad. You got to save have a, your energy I, and put it in the right place, dude. I got man. kids. I can't. I can't. It says I, it all. You know what I'm saying? So, as far as my relationship goes with my family, I love them very much. I want what's best for them. They, I'm totally open to all of them, and that's that's great. But they don't understand me. They really? don't get. They don't know who I really am because they've only been seeing me through who they really are so now that we're adults what what would be great would be if everyone took a fresh look at hit restart hit restart to understand that the family dynamic that everybody was so attached to was not good yeah and it didn't work and it wasn't positive and it didn't end up creating anything beneficial but individually and together in small groups, we have done good things. There has been some some positivity. There has been some 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 effect. 100%. 100%. So, what I hope is everybody can take a look, see what has worked. Yes. What are the kinds of consistent things that have been present when things have worked and, you know, maybe look at dealing with things in a new way. How do we support the Paskowitz family right now? Your endeavors or your mom's or the Yeah, books? then the, 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 the book. What's the best way? The, the book. What's the best way? The, well, n- number one is uh, to buy dad's book, which goes directly to supporting mom. Okay, the name of that book it, is? It is Surfing in Health. And Surfing in Health. Surfing and Health. Surfing and Health. Yep. And Dorian Doc Paskowitz. Right, and you can get that at alohadoc.com. Alohadoc.com. That's exactly right, and then and then also that has a link to my art stuff. But really, with the commercial art deal, I'm more about people sending me messages, doing commissions, creating original pieces of art for people, and not buffs and cups. I want you to do something for me, man. I'm not even kidding. I really do. I'm down. So if people do want to reach out to you and have a piece, uh, have you work with them, if you will, Uh best way to do so? You want to give out your email? Yeah, well, my my Instagram, uh, Joshua Paskowitz uh, at Instagram is is a great way. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, my email is just my name, Joshua Paskowitz at gmail.com. You can shoot me an email. Um, I'm online uh, and uh, I'm working on doing new projects. Uh, I'm curating some shows now and I'm very, very excited about telling the story through art. Yeah. I think I actually think art is, um, you know, the visual arts and, and painting and, and maybe sequential art or, you know, some of the graphic arts is a great way to tell my dad's story. I agree. So I'm totally agree. concentrating on that. And this way is pretty cool, too. I thought you did a great job today, man. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Seriously, I appreciate you, and uh, I want to do this again. I really do. Definitely. We've got to do some music stuff. Yeah. There's so much more to talk about. Thank you.